Jesus. Wonderful name, amen. Praise God. Thank you, worship team. Just want to keep on worshiping the Lord. Let's worship him in our hearts as we look into the word today. May be seated. Hallelujah. Well, next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and I'm going to speak a message, Worthy is the Lamb. <laughs> and then on Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about the great sacrifice, the one who sold out everything for us, amen? <laughs> and then, of course, we're going to have a good Friday service, too. I want to talk to you about the other guys on the cross, <laughs> the crosses beside Jesus. But today, I want to just share a message with you. You know, on, on it says in the Bible that uh, on Palm Sunday, we call it Palm Sunday, anyway, they, uh, they cut all the branches, they wave them, and it says all of Jerusalem, in the, in the old King James, it says Jerusalem was moved. <laughs> when they came. In other words, the place was shaken. The word is, comes, the, the Greek word is seismos, you know, gets the idea, earthquake, like this was a, a big event. In the old uh, English Bibles, in the Old Testament, the, the Septuagint, the Greek translation uses the same word. It says when Naomi, whoops, I need, a, I need a music stand here. Here we go. I'll get this. I, I never get these right. So anyway, in Jerusalem, I don't know how to do this. Somebody else should be doing it. But maybe you could help me. I need a musician to help me. <laughs> okay. So anyway, Naomi comes back to Bethlehem. Naomi's been away. She left with her husband and two boys. She comes back with a Moabite, <laughs> and two sons are dead, and her, and her husband's dead, and it says the whole town of Bethlehem was shaken, moved. Just a simple little word in English, moved, but it gives us that idea. Another place in Isaiah chapter 45, in the Old English Bibles, it says the earth is moved exceedingly. It just sounds so lame, doesn't it, in English? But it means it's shaken. And we're living in a day when the earth is being shaken. Isn't it? I mean, things, are, things are shaking up. You, you just watch TV for a while and you just want to turn it off. The commercials are offending to my spirit. And there's not much worth watching. And you listen to the radio and you want to turn it off. I mean, things are just, you look at the world events. You know, life is full of events that shake us. The Bible made it very clear to us that uh, life was going to be one that had stress and strain in it. And so in the Bible, life is described as a race that those of us are in. If we're a believer, we're in a race. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon, so it's just pacing yourself. It's one that we have to be conscious of, so we lay aside everything that would hold us back or weigh us down, the sin, the weights that so easily lay us, uh, could set us aside so that we can accomplish the goal, win the prize, amen? So the Bible's very clear. God made it very clear that life is going to be a stressful time, and this is a stressful time for our world, for sure. It also said that life is like a voyage. And so you realize that if it's like a voyage, then it's going to require some skills. It's going to require some watchfulness on our part because there's rocks out there. There's sandbanks, there's shoals, and the storms. 
Life is a race. Life is a voyage. Life is also described as a battle. We, we talked about that last week, the battle with Amalek, that old sinful nature. And in that battle, we as the warriors or soldiers, what we need to do is have the right equipment on. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, put on the helmet of salvation, and then it decks us out and says, do this in order to withstand and be able to stand. So life has its stresses and its strains. Life is also a, a, a puzzle. It's like a conundrum, isn't it? It's just like there are things that are happening that we do not quite, we're not able to figure out. And so we need to anticipate that we will never understand everything, that sometimes we have to go to Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine and say the secret things belong to the Lord our God. The things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, but there's some things we just have to leave with the Lord. And we don't have the answers to everything. That's the life that, that we live in. And there's all kinds of things that come at us. And so the days that we live are either days of disaster or they're days of victory. And sooner or later, we realize that there's something that we are unable to endure. The race is just getting too long or too hard. The ship is hard to navigate. The battle is getting tough. And I'm not sure if I can finish it. We discover a problem that is too complex for us to figure out, get our minds around where is God in all of this chaos, those kind of things. And the day we say that we cannot is both a good day or a bad day. It will either be a day of disaster or it will be a day of victory <laughs> when we say we cannot, amen, <laughs> because we know that he can when we cannot, <laughs> As uh, Brother Joel said, the text this morning is uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Hallelujah. And I believe everyone's going through some kind of a stressful time one way or the other. And every one of us has a little bit of a different need. But today I'm here to remind us all that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And I've called my message the becoming one. What that means is God becomes whatever your need is. That's quite a thought, isn't it? But I believe as we unpack this verse, we'll be able to see what I'm talking about. Yes, there's stresses in this life. There's spiritual forces against us. Satan himself is going about looking for those that he can devour, it says in the book of James, or Peter, Peter. And the Bible tells us that uh, he finds his way into the very presence of God, as we see in the book of Job. And there, when he gets there, he starts to accuse us. He's always looking for a weak link in the chain. He's always looking for a door in our castle, our lives, where he can enter He's always looking for that. Paul said to the Ephesian church, do not let the enemy get a foothold. The word foothold, topas, is the same word Jesus used when he said, in my father's house are many topases, many, many rooms. We have rooms in our life. And the devil, Paul said to the Christians, don't let the devil get a foothold. 
Christians, he was talking to Christians. So the devil, he causes all kinds of stress. And then there are other things that are like conundrums for us as Christians as we look at the world. We look at people that are so very successful without God, right? That's a conundrum because we realize he is our life and yet there's this puzzle. There's also the continued, long continued victory of evil in our world. Just look at the news. Big nations with, it seems to me, evil intent crushing smaller nations, and it goes on and on and on, and it just seems like it just seems like there's battles here, there's battles there. Then there's the problem of the conundrum of the universal pain, issues and events that are oh so difficult for me to try to get my mind around. And then there's the persistent self life, old Amalek, you know, one I think I've got him defeated. What does he do? He goes out and gets himself dressed up in a new garment and he disguises himself and the first thing I know, he's back again. And then there's the sorrows of life. Those empty places around the table. Why? Conundrums. And I'm here to tell you today that let's admit it, life is full of sorrows and strains and and stress. But today I'm here to remind us all that there is a name. Hallelujah. We can run there. We can find safety. Hallelujah. Those forces are, you know, individually they can defeat us. United they can destroy us. But thanks be to the Lord, he gives us the promise. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And then this little verse in Proverbs You know, Proverbs pretty well tells us about all of those stresses and strains that I talked to you about, all the problems that you could imagine are found in Proverbs. And right here in the middle of that book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 10, is this bright, shining light. After, you know, Solomon wrote most of them, he says all of these things out there that are difficult. He says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. You can run to it and you will be safe. (laughs) Hallelujah. What a tremendous, tremendous verse. But what is the name of the Lord anyway? You know, the name? Brother Joel led us in a song that had some of the names of the Lord mentioned in it. In the Old Testament, you would find the word Yahweh in the Hebrew Bible or Jehovah in the Latinized version of the Bibles. And as you can see, if you were a Jewish person, you would never write it like it is up there on the top because they had such reverence for the name of God that they would drop the vowels. They would never pronounce Yahweh or Jehovah. It was a tetragrammaton, as they call it. It's just one of those things And so a Jewish person had such reverence for the name of the Lord. But there was a way that they could say the name of the Lord. And uh, we'll look at that as we go along. You notice, uh, maybe it's in the next slide. I think there's one there. 6,000 times this tetragrammaton appears. 6,000 times in the Bible. You don't see it because we don't see G-A-H, 
W-H or V-H, we see Lord. But the way they write Lord in your Bible, you check it out, all the English Bibles will have a big capital L and then a small capital L-O-R-D. Two examples, Isaiah 8, Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. So I never, I picked it up once in a while, but didn't think too much about it. But that's a place where the name of the Lord appears. And in English, we, we, we translate it that way into our English Bibles. Moses, it says in the scripture, had God appeared to him in a bush that was burning, but it wasn't burning up. It was just on fire. And so it says, now Jethro, or now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he, he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord, that's Jesus, appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it wasn't consumed. And then it says in the scripture, and Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned up or burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, don't come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid of God. It says, a little bit later, Moses says, well, you want me to go back to the people of e in Egypt, my people, and say, you know, God says, who am I supposed to say sent me? And so he says, it says, and God said to Moses, oh, sharp if it says here, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Good question. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And that wouldn't have been satisfying for me. I am who I am. Right? Thus, you shall say to the Israelites, I am sent you. Interesting. I am. Think about that little verse. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the big three. I remember on my first visit to Israel, I rented a car, and I was looking so much forward to going to Hebron because I wanted to see the tomb of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, only to be sadly disappointed when the car rental place said, no, you can't go up there. It's Arab-occupied. The car will get smashed if you're lucky you know, gasoline cocktail. So I was so sad, and I wanted to see the, the big three, Abraham. The, you know, in this church, there are Abrahams, right? There are those that, that feel like, why do I have to pay the big price? Why can't I be like Isaac? <laughs> but Abraham, the first generation, called from a place of sin, a life of sin, and he has this great testimony, and, and, and we talk about Abraham. He's the hero of all heroes, Besides Jesus, right? He is just a tremendous figure, the first generation. Some of you were the first saved in your family, or God has called you to do things that he hasn't asked your neighbor or brother or sister to do. And then there's Isaac. You know, I guess because I'm a first generation, I kind of identify a little bit, well, actually more like Jacob, but I'll get there eventually, 
but Abraham in some ways, because I got saved first in my family and God called me to do ministry and the last thing I wanted to ever do was be a preacher or I should say a minister. But anyway, that's beside the point. Isaac. Isaac, second generation. Abraham pays the price, right? And, and God blesses his son Isaac. Isaac is a guy that's born with a silver spoon in his mouth. I mean, he's just blessed. I mean, this guy, it seems to me, you know, from my perspective, you know, even his dad has to pick his own life for him. He just doesn't seem to have any gumption. But he, pardon the old, you know, adage, but we used to say this. Some people, they fall into, you know, the old outhouses, the toilets that were outside. They fall in an outhouse and they come out in a new suit. (laughs) Well, that's like Isaac, silver spoon in his mouth, blessed. And Abraham looks at him, how come I have to pay the price? And then there's Jacob. Oh, my goodness, Jacob. He has more trips to the woodshed than anybody else. And you see some of the people that you know pretty well in this congregation. They're like Jacobs, right? They're scoundrels. And yet God seems to keep on, you know, they come back to the altar and get right with God, and a little while later, they're gone goofing off again, you know. <laughs> Jacob, I, I, I do relate to Jacob sometimes. <laughs> Just ask my wife. But the other one, I said to a group of ministers once, what's the name of Moses' father? I said it to a couple of groups of ministers. In one place, one guy knew the name. How many here know the name? If you paid attention this morning, he said, I am the God of your father, Amram. You ever feel like Amram, like nobody knows who I am? Like, I'm not Abraham, (laughs) you know, not that church leader. I'm not like Isaac. Everything you do is just blessed by God. You don't even have to try, you know. And then Jacob, well, I don't know if anybody wants to be like Jacob most of the time. (laughs) But you know what? We're all, we fit into one of those four pretty well, if not more than one. And God says, I am the God of everybody that's here that feels like maybe you've been asked to pay a bigger price than everybody else. Or you're like Isaac and maybe you look at Abraham and get jealous because you don't have that flashy testimony. Or you're like Jacob and you just feel, I just fail God more than I don't, than I do. And then you feel like Amram. Nobody knows me. I'm just there on Sunday. Nobody knows me. I guess that's any one of us, right? We're all there. And God says today, I am your God. Whoever you identify with today, I'm your God. And boy, does that ever remove all judgmentalism, doesn't it? God says, I love, I'm the God of Jacob. All those scoundrels that you don't have any patience for, right? Anyway, that's kind of an aside, but I couldn't, re- couldn't uh, go on without talking about it. The name Jehovah, we'll use the Latinized one. The Hebrew word means to become, the becoming one. Isn't that interesting? God says to us today, I am the becoming one. So think about whatever your problem, your stress, your point of difficulty is today, God says, I am the becoming one. 
I will become for you whatever your need is. Hallelujah. Whatever it is, he is the becoming one. He becomes to his people, Israel, and to us, everything that we ever need. Amazing, the adaptation of the infinite God to finite people like us. But God adapts himself to our our needs because that's who our God is. Hallelujah. Our greatest need was redemption, salvation, becoming right with God. Jesus provided that for us. He became everything that we needed through the cross. God said, I am. Moses said, I am who? And God might have said, I become whatever your need is today. Isn't that reassuring? It's so wonderful. I am. Jesus one time was asked, or it says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad, so the Jews said to him, you're not 50 years old. It's only 30, actually. And you have seen Abraham? Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. There it is again. I am. Jesus. Are you hungry? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Are you thirsty? I am the living water. Have you lost your way? Jesus said, I am the way. Wondering who or what to believe? I am the truth. Are you in the dark? He said, I am the light of the world. Are you afraid of dying? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Are you uncertain as to which, how to get to heaven? He said, I am the door. Are you weak and without strength? He said, I am the vine that gives life to the branches. You're wondering who to trust? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. You're wondering if this is all there is to life? Jesus said, I give abundant life. Hallelujah. Jesus is to us. Whatever our need is today, Jesus is to us. The name Jesus means save, to save us. He is the strong and high tower that we run to when we are in difficulty and we are safe. We call upon the name Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we don't have the same, you know, barrier that the Jewish people did so that only the high priest could go into the presence of God but once a year, not with his without, you know, not with his own blood but with the blood of animals. Now the temple a curtain has been torn and we can go into the presence of God with boldness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's called a throne of grace and all of that because of what Jesus did. Let's just look at five snapshots in the Old Testament where the name Jehovah comes up. Abraham comes to mind, first of all. He had come to the last test of his faith. God had told him to go up in the mountain, Moriah, and there he would sacrifice his son. So he says, now take your son Isaac, your only son whom you dearly love. And as they're making their way, Isaac says, uh, Dad, where's, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? <laughs> Powerful. First time it appears in the Bible, where's the lamb? First time it appears in the New Testament, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb, Jesus, hallelujah. 
Incredible, isn't it? So Abraham passes the test. He goes all the way, and it says in Hebrews, God, Abraham thought, well, even if I have to kill him, God gave the promise, so he'll raise Isaac from the dead. He's all ready to take his son's life, and the Lord speaks to him, and there's a lamb, a ram, I should say, God provided. And so it says in Genesis 22, so Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. <laughs> As it is to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. Hmm. It's, not a, it's not a great distance between vision and provision. If you have a vision of God as the provider, don't expect to wait too long before you call on the name Jehovah Jireh and the provision will come. Abraham prepared an altar. Abraham ran to the name of the Lord, the mighty tower. Jehovah Jireh, God provided. <laughs> Moses, last week we looked at a battle that Moses was having. Aaron on one side, her on the other, holding up his names while Jesus or Joshua fought the battle and defeated Amalek. And uh, when this is all over, it says, and Moses built an altar and called the name called the name on it Jehovah Nissi. You know when you see those battles from the past, you see them running with their banners, and they are basically saying, "I represent the country of whatever the nation of." And so Moses says, after they win the battle against Amalek that day, he uh, he erects an altar. And he says, I'm going to call this Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is our banner. Hallelujah. When we go out of this place into a world where there's conflict, into a life where there's difficulties, you can be assured that Jehovah Nissi's flag is flying over your home, over your life, which guarantees that you will have victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jehovah Nissi. Third one, Gideon. He's just a peaceful farmer. He's hiding in a wine press. And the Midianites have had them for seven years oppressed. They have no will of their own. They're hiding just to do some work with some wheat. Gideon is seen as somebody shrinking from service a little bit. Not criticizing him. I mean, it was... It was rough. If you were to just get out of that wine press, you might get yourself killed. So that's Gideon. And God comes to Gideon, and he says, Hey, you, mighty man of valor. <laughs> He's thinking, what? Me? Some of you feel like that when the Lord calls upon you to do something. And he says, now listen, those Midianites are out there. They're an army so big you can't number them. Well, why don't you get all the people you can here that are willing to fight for you, and let's gather them together. So he gets 32,000 people, men, ready to fight. And the Lord says to Gideon, no, no, that's just, that's just too many, way too many. Why don't you tell everybody that's afraid to go home? That was a bad move, wasn't it? 22,000 leave. Now he's left with 10,000 against a number, uh, I mean, an, an, a nation of Midianites that you can't even number. And then the Lord says, oh, no, no, that's still too many. So let's do one more, one more thing. 
get them to come down to the river, and when they come down to the river, ask them to get a drink. And apparently only 300 had a, a drink of water the way they should. They knelt down like this. But 9,700 went like this. Uh-oh. They're not very sharp. So now Gideon has to fight an army with 300 people. And what does he have? He has a torch, he has a trumpet, and he has a picture or uh, like something to hide the, the flame under. And it says he wins the battle. <laughs> and it says in the book of Judges, this, these words, Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Hallelujah. The Lord is peace. The name of the Lord to, to Gideon was a strong tower. He ran to it. He knew that he was done without it. Amen. He ran to that mount, that tower, Jehovah Shalom. The fourth one is Jeremiah. And poor Jeremiah, I mean, he, he was the preacher or the prophet in a time when and there was no righteousness at all. I mean, they threw him in prison. He'd write letters and the king would take his letters or his scrolls and burn them in front of him just... This is the godly kings, supposedly the people of God. That's the kind of day that he lived. There's no gleam of hope. As a matter of fact, God told Jeremiah to tell the people they're going to be taken into captivity by the Babylonians and they're going to be there for 70 years. No positive notes in all of that, is there? And so Jeremiah finds himself now thrown into a dungeon. There in the dungeon, he's by himself. And there in the dungeon, he speaks of God. It says in Jeremiah 23, verse 6, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and execute justice and righteousness in the land. There's no righteousness right there. In the days of Judah, in the day, his days, Judah will be saved. And Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name that you, he will be called by. Jehovah Sidkenu. Hallelujah. The Lord is our righteousness. Boy, the world's, it seems to be getting worse and worse. Politicians, sometimes clergy. Who do you trust? Where is righteousness? Right? Jehovah we can go to the tower. Run to that name. He is the righteous one when everything around us. So we enter, Jeremiah entered into the tower of the name of the Lord, Jehovah Sidkenu. And there he was certain that there was a righteous one. The last one is Ezekiel. Now Ezekiel is a prophet near the same time, but he's actually in Babylon. The Babylonians have come, and he's taken him there. And he's having a tough time. He's down by the river Kibar. And while he's down there by Kibar, oh boy, what a depressing time for the people of Israel, or Judah. They have been taken over by the enemy. They're in a foreign land. They've left their musical instruments on the trees. What's there to sing about here? You know, all of that. And there they... 
by the river of Kibar, God comes to him with a fresh vision. God gives him a vision of the future. And in that vision that takes from chapter 40 all the way to the end of the book, chapter 48, you read it sometime. It's an amazing vision that Ezekiel is given. And in that vision, he talks to them about a new day, a new temple, a new city of Jerusalem. And he comes to the very end of those glorious visions. And he says, and the name of the city, this is powerful. The name of the city, Jerusalem, that is, from that day on shall be Jehovah Shammah. God is there. Hallelujah. When Jesus comes back to earth in the millennial period, a thousand years, he will be Jehovah Shammah. He will be there. He will be ruling the world with a rod of iron. Hallelujah. And then after that time of a thousand years, it says there will be a new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem and Jehovah Shammah. The Lord will be there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe you feel like you're in a place of captivity. You've just been taken captive by problems of some kind or another. God says, he is Jehovah Shammah. He's there with you because he's in your heart as a believer. Isn't that encouraging? Oh, all of these men that I read knew the meaning of our text. And in one way or another, they ran to that tower that place of safety. Abraham on Moriah, Jehovah Jireh. Moses on the mountain with Aaron and Hur, Jehovah Nissi. Gideon facing the conflict, Jehovah Shalom. Jeremiah in the dungeon heard the word Jehovah Sidkenu. Ezekiel by the river as the last word of prophecy, Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will see and provide. You have a need today. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord will be your banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord can be your peace today. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord can be your righteousness today. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. And there are many, many other names that we could have, or a few more names that we could have referred to, each of them. And we only looked at five. The Bible abounds with illustrations of those who found protection and refuge in that strong tower, the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Daniel, Job, Esther, David, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, saints and apostles and prophets and martyrs, all kinds of people through church history today in those persecuted countries where to live as a Christian and be public about it means execution or at least persecution and imprisonment. He is there. He is the name of the Lord to all of those people. I want to take a moment and just read something to you that I came across a few weeks ago. G. Campbell Morgan was a preacher at Westminster Chapel in London, and he said this, and I, I read it to you. He talks about a time of difficulty in his life, in his parents' life. He says, I remember 37 years ago when God took my, from my side the side of an only boy in the family, my one playmate, my sister. He says, don't ever indulge in the heresies that says children don't feel pain, incapable of sorrow. I remember coming back one morning from the grave, my little sister, only a boy. I sat there in loneliness and found in the house my father and mother. 
and boy, as I was, I crept up to where they were sitting together. And he says, it happened (laughs) that my father's hand was resting on the Bible. And I looked to where his finger had rested, and I saw the words, the Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. They ran through the tower. And then he says, and 24 years after that, when my own little girlie was taken out of my home, I got the Bible, turned up the same verse, laid my hand on where my father and my mother put it, and I discovered that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous can run into it and be safe. Hallelujah. Jehovah. The name Jesus means or means God saves. Jesus is throughout the Bible, the name of the Lord in Genesis. He's the seed of woman in Exodus. He's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the rock. He's the leader that leads them out of the land of bondage. In Joshua, he's the captain of their salvation. In Judges, he's the just judge. In Ruth, he's the kinsman redeemer. In books of Samuel, he's the trusted prophet, the true prophet. In the book of books of Kings, he's the anointed king and he's the reigning king. In Chronicles, he's the, the Shekinah glory that fills the temple. He's the presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant. In Ezra, he's the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of human lives. In Esther, he's the one who rewards people that trust in him. In Job, he's the ever-living redeemer. In Psalms, he's our shepherd. In Proverbs, he's our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's the end of all living. In the book of Song of Solomon, he is the lover and the bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace and the suffering savior. In Jeremiah, he's the branch, the righteous branch. In Lamentations, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the coming prince. (laughs) Hallelujah. In Daniel, Daniel, he's that fourth man in the fiery furnace. In Hosea, he's the faithful husband. In Joel, he is the one who comes to judge all the nations of the world one day. In Amos, he's the burden bearer. In in Jonah, he's the forgiving God and the great missionary. In Obadiah, he is the one who is mighty to save. In Micah, he's the one who buries our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. Hallelujah. These minor prophets get to be in Nahum, in Nahum, he is, he's that tower of strength. In Amos, I forgot Amos, yes. In Amos, he is the burden bearer. And in, in uh, Nahum, he is the stronghold in the time of trouble. In, in Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist crying, revive thy work. 
In Zephaniah, he is the jealous God and the God who is faithful to the faithful remnant. Hallelujah. In, in uh, Haggai, he is the one who owns all the silver and the gold. <laughs> in Zechariah, he is the one who is the fountain open in the court of David for cleansing from sin. In Malachi, he's the, he's the son of righteousness. And in Matthew, he's the promised Messiah. In Mark, he's the miracle worker. In Luke, he's the shepherd who leaves the 99 to save the lost one. In John, he's the son of God. In Acts, he's the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. In Romans, he's our justifier. In Corinthians, he's the one who gives spiritual gifts. In the second book, he's the one who comforts us with all the comfort that God can give us. In Galatians, he's our liberty, the one who sets us free. In Ephesians, he's the Christ of the unsearchable riches. And in Philippians, he is the God who supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory. In Colossians, he's our life, our everlasting life. In Thessalonians, he's the soon coming king. In Timothy, he is the, the one who is the mediator between us and God. In Titus, he's the faithful pastor. In Philemon, he's the Lord and master. In Hebrews, he's the one that's higher than all the angels. In James, he's the great physician. Hallelujah. In, in Peter, he's the chief cornerstone and the great shepherd. In the books of, in the epistles of uh, John, he is everlasting love. In Jude, he is the one who's coming soon with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of his holy ones with him. In Revelation, he's so many things there. But one thing he is is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Worship team, could you come now? The worship team is coming. Let's stand to our feet and just begin to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. God said to us today, I am. I am the becoming one. He is becoming for you today whatever your need is in him. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that encouraging? So I don't know if your need is healing, Jehovah Rophe, the healer. Your, name is, your need is something else that we mentioned already. But God is the one who can provide. He becomes whatever our need is. So let's just lift our hands to him today. Hallelujah. We worship him today. Jesus, the wonderful name. Hallelujah. The lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. Hallelujah. Jesus' salvation, hallelujah. Oh God, may our world be like it was back in that day in Jerusalem as we get nearer to Good Friday, Easter, Palm Sunday. Lord, would you shake our world? Would you cause people to look to that strong tower that they may know that in the name of Jesus all their needs can be met. So Lord, today, whatever needs are here, you are Jehovah the becoming one. You are the provider. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.